welcome back to the Missing in Action Sports on Point podcast. We are live and back on the air. We're not live. And we're not on the air either. We're recorded, but that's cool. We are back on the air thanks to a ruling from Judge Nelson. The owners can no longer lock us out. So that means, as always, we have Mr. Phenom Bob Williams on the line. Bob, what say you? Uh, I'm here, but I don't know if I'm allowed to participate. You know, these rulings are, you know, take a few days to figure this out. So I might be on the podcast when it goes live or, or when we post it up, or I might not. That's all up to the owners, I guess, or the judge. Fair, fair enough. Uh, I don't know that we can say that there's uh, significant damage caused by you being on the podcast, so uh, I think you're safe in that regard. And, of course, we also have the guy pressing the buttons, as always, Mr. Pod Severns. Hey, I'm here by official ruling of Judd Nelson. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. He's actually a douche now. <laughs> now he looks like one. He is one. Right. He comes in plastic wrap and everything. So if you haven't caught the reference, of course, the big news in the past week was the uh, ruling in Minnesota. Was it Minnesota? Jeez, I should know this. Uh, the ruling in Minnesota came down this week regarding the NFL lockout situation and Judge Susan Richard Nelson, which actually sounds more like a couple than it does uh, an individual person, but uh, Judge Nelson ruled in favor of the players and officially ended the lockout, unless, of course, it doesn't end the lockout, in which case her ruling means nothing. Appeals, baby. Yeah. The American legal six, uh, legal system at its best. Um, a lot of confusion this week. Players showing up at team facilities, being uh, allowed into the building to you know stand around awkwardly and look at each other and say, "How's the kids?" Before you know leaving because they're not allowed to touch any of the equipment. Uh, what do you make of everything that's been going on this past week? Uh, are, are, are we close to the season being announced, or is this is this just kind of a whole lot of on and on about nothing, Bob? This might be a whole lot of on and on about nothing until they go through the appeals process and we finally know for sure that it is back on and that they've fully let go of the uh, lockout and that the owners can't do anything about it. We'll go from there. As we know, tonight they're doing the draft, so that might be a step in the right direction. Uh, Possibly tomorrow people might be, or players might be able to actually train or use the equipment at the training facilities. But we're still in April. This is uh, by far, you know, nowhere near getting done and, and official until it comes out and says, hey, the season's on. It's official. Right. And, of course, um, you know, the uh, players across the league, of course, in confusion, as we talked about, showing up and not being allowed to participate in practices. Um, I'm sure that they were excited to hear the uh, the ruling from the judge last week, but uh, so far hasn't panned out. And just like you said, it's not gonna it's not gonna play out anytime in the next week or so. So we might as well just kind of strap in and get ready for a long ride because uh, the owners are not gonna go away just because some little judge in Minnesota said some things that they didn't like. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have a whole lot more in the ongoing lockout situation as it develops. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you know, they're drafting players. The NBA draft, or NBA, the NFL draft is going on. Uh, actually, as we are recording, uh, they're wrapping up the first round out in, I believe, New Jersey this year. First first time New in New Jersey. Yeah. They, uh, they moved out of the usual Radio City Music Hall 
and uh, they're down in Newark doing the uh, doing the NFL draft. I found it kind of ironic that the NFLPA was asking college kids to not go and saying that it was a uh, you know a, it would be a show of solidarity for their future teammates and and coworkers um, to not attend. And what ended up happening is I believe there was a total of sixty. Uh, people that were coming out for the draft, a, a record more than anybody that's ever uh, attended a draft before. Um, uh, I, I think a lot of that probably has to do with just the overall mediocre talent of this draft class. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, it, you have a, you have some big names, I guess, out there. But even at that, when you look at the, the top 10, which we will probably in a few minutes, are any of these guys home run picks? Uh, you know, Sometimes you you'll go out and say yes that there are a lot of you know top ten. Usually, you're going to say at least six of those guys will be productive, almost game changers. And I don't know if you have that this year, especially with how some of these uh, picks have went. But other than that, you know, look at look. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But the Browns traded out. Also, uh, Dallas traded out of the top ten. So there there might be some lack of overall talent like you said yeah I think um, I think one of the big things that's really that's really kind of fallen into place with this draft is that all of the players that you really felt like were locks at any point in this uh, you know time leading up to the draft all of them have had little asterisks next to their name little things that that everybody was kind of concerned about which you know that's fairly normal in the draft process especially with the extreme scrutiny that um, the the NFL scouts are putting on these kids and the scouting combined and you know everything that's been going on in NCAA and the in the mockery of amateur sports that's been made of uh, college in the past couple of seasons. So I, I I think that that's pretty normal. But I think that this particular year, especially those those weaknesses and those and those black marks on a lot of these players coming out of college were significantly more scary, more intimidating than they have been in years past. And uh, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of panned out in the draft where a lot of the players that you know like six weeks ago we thought you know Nick Fairley he's a number one pick and lo and behold he's sliding to number thirteen and the number one pick is going to somebody that six weeks ago we weren't even sure was going to be in the first round. Yeah, it is definitely crazy. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and then also uh, I heard it coming from uh, home from work about how Bentley, LaCharles Bentley was talking about how there might be some slotting or the playoff salary cap might go into effect based on the uh, CBA, which might lead to some of this crazy picking like a locker at number eight, uh, Cam Newton at number one. Uh, even having some of these people slide like a, a fairly, it might not matter that much because he might not have that huge, ridiculous contract. So not only is it interesting to watch it, it's also interesting to see how it falls out in, in the perspective of this lockout and the bigger picture with with some of those items, like a possible rookie salary cap. Well, let's take a look at the uh, let's take a look at the early picks in this draft. Obviously, the big uh, the big news this uh, this draft was Cam Newton, of course, the Heisman winner. A lot of controversy surrounding the kid coming out of Auburn. 
went number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. A lot of uh, a lot of upside to him. He's six foot five, two forty eight. Has good vision to see over the line of scrimmage. Good quote unquote decision making. Uh, uh, able to make quick decisions on his feet versus with his arms. Um, but uh, there's there's been a lot of a lot of speculation that he's a spread system quarterback. Um, you know, obviously he definitely has some question marks as far as as personality and his and his his character coming out of college. Um, moving into Carolina, a team that just drafted a quarterback who had similar questions about his character and his personality that they drafted last year in the draft in Jimmy Clausen. And I just have to wonder if you're spending two such high picks on quarterbacks in back-to-back years without giving a quarterback a chance to develop and fill into a system. Um, first of all, if you're Jimmy Clausen, how does that make you feel? And second of all, if you're Cam Newton... Are you going to be giving more of a fair shake or less of a fair shake because of that situation? Well, I, I think the biggest uh, thing that we're going to look about or, or going into training camp that they're going to look about is the fact that they've changed their entire uh, coaching staff. John Fox is no longer there. So unfortunately for Clawson, he was a, a Fox guy. So, he, yeah, he does get the shaft, but that's part of this system or, or, or the entire athletic field when it comes to professional sports that if you are not that GM, that coach's player, <laughs> it's 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 not looking good on you, especially when they draft Cam Newton, uh, who I'm assuming their head coach has to be higher on than than Clawson, especially since you wasted a uh, technically now you wasted a second round pick last year. We'll see if it actually works out for them whether he is the spread quarterback or if he can play under center. And I, I, I think from day one, he'll probably, you have to at, at a number one pick and no veteran there, he'll have to be thrown into the fire and see if he can produce. Hopefully for him, uh, he, he doesn't fall into the same kind of battle that Vince Young had to, to, to deal with, even if he becomes as good as Vince Young he is or has been. I know that's going to be his biggest comparison mark is Vince Young, and, and we'll see how his progression goes. Sure. Now, now I think uh, I think some of the real solid picks that we've seen in the first 10, I, th- I really like Von Miller to the Broncos. I think his speed at the linebacker position is huge. Uh, Derek Thomas-type linebacker, just really able to get at the quarterback, get around blockers. Um, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how he does out in Denver. Um, Darius Marcel, of course, the defensive tackle from Alabama, going to Buffalo. Uh, Bengals get a steal at A.J. Green at the fourth position. I'm not sure that A.J. Green might not have been the best prospect overall in this draft, but since he's a wide receiver and there's significantly less value put on that position than the quarterback position, he falls to number four. And I have to think that A.J. Green going to Cincinnati means that Chad Ochocinco is going elsewhere. What do you think? Uh, very well could be, but you have to look at the the fact that not only are they possibly losing Ochocinco, but they are losing Terrell Owens. Didn't he end up there? <laughs> okay, so, that, so they're losing uh, him, and I think they're also losing their third wide receiver. So it, it might not mean the end of Chad Ochocinco as a wide receiver for the Bengals, but it definitely limits him to be being a second or third receiver if they do keep him at all uh i'm actually gonna go with the, the pack patrick peterson uh to arizona i think that's a really good pick for number five for them there's no way they really could have passed him up 
you say AJ Green could be the top overall pick. I say Peterson should probably be the top overall pick or top overall player, just because he's he's such a a, a phenomenal athlete and specimen. He did really well at LSU, and not only as a cornerback, but he he could be a game changing returner. Even though they did kind of tinker with the rules now in the NFL, but that that's a great pick. Uh, I, I completely agree. And and if I if I were to put uh, AJ Green at one, it would be. Peterson at 1A, uh, phenomenal talent. If you look at his numbers um, through three seasons in LSU, they look pretty similar to what you saw from four seasons of Deion Sanders at Florida State. So you, you definitely see a lot of fire. You see a lot of speed. You see a lot of uh, potential impact from a guy like Peterson, and, and I really liked him at the number five pick. I think uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of Clevelanders and Northeastern Ohio, such as myself, were, were hoping that Cardinals would go with a Blaine Gabbert so that uh, the Browns could draft Peterson at the number six spot. But all in all, I think the Browns ended up making a really good move at the six spot when they ended up swapping what everyone seems to think is a absolute lock in Julio Jones from Alabama. Um, I'm not as sure about his lock status, and I like to think that if I can get five draft picks out of uh, a trade for Julio Jones, I would take it any day of the week. Yeah, definitely a good move for them and good move for Atlanta. It gives Matt Ryan another target. Unfortunately for uh, Michael Jenkins down there, uh, it'll probably be the end of, of his tenure down there you're having julio jones as your number two wide receiver across the way with roddy white uh the fact that matt ryan was a beast throwing the ball last year with just roddy white i think this actually projects him as being one of the top if not top fantasy guy if jones produces like a top 10 pick should their offense looks mighty, mighty scary, and this could be a pick that propels them over the top and, and, and puts them Super Bowl bound, maybe. Sure. Roddy White on one side, Julio Jones on the other. Of course, you got the running back tandem in the backfield and Matty Ice at the quarterback, and not to mention the fact that their defense hasn't been too bad with Mike Smith, the uh, defensive guru out of Jacksonville or Carolina. I can't remember which at the moment, but... Uh, uh, yeah, definitely a, a team that could shake up to be pretty good next year if we do, in fact, play some football next year. But the two picks that I've looked at on this draft board, and I think everybody kind of looks at them the same way and, and kind of has to really question it, is Jake Locker at number 8 to the Titans and Christian Ponder at number 12 to the Vikings. Uh, both of those drafts came across. The first thing that I thought is, what in the world are these teams thinking? Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Uh, I'll even throw in San Francisco with Alden Smith. This is a team that the entire last, I'm going to say, uh, since they drafted Mr. Tiny Hands, Alex Smith, have been looking for a quarterback. You have a quarterback there with Blaine Gabbert, who could possibly be a, a guy that you have for the next five, ten years a, as your starting quarterback, and you pass them up for a, a defensive end who's not bad, who is probably projected probably 10 to 15 yeah, I would honestly say that I would have probably looked at uh, J.J. Watt or um, uh, the, Robert Quinn out of North yeah, Carolina. Robert Quinn. I would have looked at either one of those guys ahead of him. So I, I, I'm with you on that. That's a little bit of a head scratcher. Apparently, the 49ers like to blow draft picks with people named A. Smith. So um, it's just kind of a pattern I see going forward. Nick Fairley at number 13. Huge pick. That defensive line out in Detroit with Fairley and Sue in the middle is just going to be absolutely beastly next year. Oh, yeah. I I, I'm, <laughs> I would hate to be a running back 
in the NFC North running against that that tandem. You're going to have to bounce outside to get anything. And at, at that point, you know they're gonna they're gonna be pushing you, trying to get you to go inside. So that that was a great pick for Detroit having fairly fall that far. And even even for Miami to, to pick up a, a Mike Pouncey who uh, whose brother last year pretty much was one of the reasons why the Steelers went so far as he solidified their their offensive line. Hopefully for Miami uh, with Jake Long down there, this is some guy in the middle who, who can help them out as well. Yeah, I saw some interesting stories that were saying that Pittsburgh was actually going to do whatever it took to move up in the draft and get Mike Pouncey. And, uh, I, I, I love those kind of rumors coming into the draft because – uh, some of them are so ridiculous and so far fetched that uh, you know you know that they're just being planted out there to hopefully goad somebody into doing something stupid like I don't know drafting Jake Locker at number eight. Um, but uh, uh, anyways, so that's uh, that's kind of been the the NFL draft as as it's unfolded thus far. Um, kind of the beginning of the season and a career and hopefully uh, some interesting futures for some of these kids coming out of college. But uh, let's let's move on. The NBA playoffs were you know about a week into the NBA playoffs at this point in time, and I'd have to say the the first round of the playoffs has been significantly more entertaining than what I expected it to be. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of series that you expected to go four or five games, um, stretching to six and seven, such as the absolute shocking three one advantage that uh, the the Memphis Grizzlies took over the. San Antonio Spurs before dropping a game to, to fall back to three and two, but uh, is 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 Memphis for real? Are they just a team that just got a good matchup against a a slumping San Antonio team? I mean, let's not forget at halfway point in the season, we were talking about San Antonio team that could possibly have the best record in NBA history, and I don't think anybody really foreseeably saw that actually occurring. But they were on the pace. And now they're on the pace to be only the second team eliminated from a first-round season as a number one seed against the number eight seed since they expanded that first round to seven games. Um, is this is this Memphis team? Or are they are they just better? Or they've been flying under our radar all year, or did they just get a good matchup against the slumping San Antonio team? Uh, it, it's not too much of a surprise, especially with San Antonio dropping some players there at the end of the regular season. You had Manu, who was hurt, who's kind of who's played well in the series, but you know it's a little off still. You have McDice, who has had some issues. Duncan, all, all their veteran guys sort of were dinged up coming into this series, so it was almost like a, a perfect storm, especially since. Memphis has gotten really good production out of not only Zach Randolph, who they re-signed already, which coming into the, the, the trade, everyone was like, why the heck would Memphis want him? He's panned out really well for them. And then even Mike Conley in this series has picked it up and, and played to his uh, contract that they re-signed him to uh, early, earlier this year, which people were kind of scratching their head, especially based on his first two years in the league. I was on the top of that head-scratching list, by the way. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I was a fan of his coming out of, out of college. Uh, those first two years, even most of this year, it, you don't know if he was playing up to his ability, what, what was going on there, and, and something has clicked in this series, and he's kind of stepped up his game to what they thought he was going to be when they had drafted him. But is it over? No. Uh, San Antonio is one of those teams that you're never going to count out. Sure, they needed a last-second three by George Hill last night in order to push the game into overtime. But 
these guys have been here before, especially with Greg Popovich being there, being their coach. This team is not dead yet until that final buzzer sounds. I have to admit there was a there was a little bit of a sinking feeling I felt when I when I saw that score get tied up at the end of regulation and head into overtime because you just kind of as as a as a lifetime you know northeastern ohio sports fan you've seen that tape before you've seen that footage before and uh this is this is uh this is the indians versus the red Sox in what 2007 all over again um you kind of you kind of see that happening but uh hey you know it's not over yet memphis has been hard fighting you know tooth and nail every step of the way mark gasol has been an absolute beast in the postseason uh kind of dominating the paint which is something that uh you know, Tim Duncan is just not used to having to deal with. So uh, they still got a shot, and I, I'd be interested to see if they can move on. But uh, either way, if they go into a second-round matchup against the Thunder, I don't think it's going to matter too much. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, especially the way Oklahoma City is playing, uh, if they can get all their young guys continually doing what they're doing, that that's they should be able to advance into the uh, Western Conference Final. Uh, I would say probably the most shocking thing, or shocking series beyond that one would be uh, the Atlanta-Orlando. Uh, Atlanta did win it in six games. This is the same Atlanta team coming into the the, the playoffs. People were like, okay, they hit their peak last year. You know, Joe Johnson's, Joe Johnson's struggling. They don't have the interior defense to stop Dwight Howard, which the first few games they couldn't stop him, but they stopped everyone 46 else. 46-19 and and, in game and, number one. Yeah, yeah. And they still yep. lost. So, unfortunately for Dwight Howard, his supporting staff did not show up at all this this series, except uh, for Game Five. That I, I, coming into the, the, that, you know, it, it's it's shocking. I, it really is. Uh, g- g- good luck to to Atlanta, who I believe plays Chicago. No, uh, Atlanta going on to the second round. Yeah, they'll be playing Chicago. Chicago. Okay. So it, it that's going to be a, a tougher series for them, especially since Chicago's a more well-rounded team, especially with a healthy Noah, healthy healthy Boozer, and Chris or Derek Rose playing out of this world. Yeah, speaking of Chicago, uh, Derek Rose absolutely out of his mind in game number one, lifting the team to victory. Uh, a lot of people speculated that in that game number four, Derek Rose may not have showed up to play. A little bit of the. Uh, a little bit of the LeBron type feedback that I was I was getting the vibe from uh, after game number four, but uh, game number five they came back. It was full force Chicago, and uh, they're moving on without too much difficulty from a you know division rival in the Indiana Pacers. Um, the 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 Philadelphia 76ers I feel got a really unfortunate matchup in the first round considering they've coasted through this regular season playing on the strengths of their athleticism and who do they get in the first round probably the most athletic team in the entire NBA with the with the you know athleticism of Wade and Bosh and and uh, LeBron of course um, kind of got caught up in that buzzsaw were able to pull off a win which I think was a little bit more than most people suspected they would do um, but I think at this point in time the two interesting series that we got moving on other than obviously the San Antonio and Memphis series but um, the the uh, Blazers Mavericks uh, it's at a three two stretch right now. Um, do you think uh, Portland's got another away win uh, in store for the Dallas Mavericks to to draw even with this thing and possibly win it? Uh, quite possibly. We we know that 
unfortunately for Dallas fans and, and their franchise, they've been known to sort of uh, lay a goose egg when it when it matters the most. But they, they've gotten a lot of production from Sean Marion and Jason Kidd, and they need to continue that production if they do uh, want to continue and win this series and close it out. Because we know from the past that Dirk Nowitzki isn't a guy, no fault to him, that, that can carry a team. Uh, he has to have some help, and those veterans are the guys that need to help him. Absolutely, and and I really feel like you know going again back to the athleticism. I think that uh, I think that you know Portland is a team that can give a team like Dallas some troubles. They they've they've got some matchup problems, and I think when they work their inside out offense through Lamarcus Aldridge, it's something that the Mavericks have a hard time defending against. So I, I kind of felt coming into the playoffs that the Portland was a team that had a chance of, of pulling off that upset. Not that I feel it's a huge upset, Portland over Dallas, but that one should be interesting to see how it plays out in the last game or two. And, uh, uh, of course, the, the New Orleans-Lakers series, unfortunately that one ended in six with the Lakers, uh, Lakers pulling off the victory. But uh, Chris Paul was just absolutely out of his mind in this series. And I think probably proving that there's probably not another player in the league who can single-handedly take over and win a game as much as Chris Paul could. And, and to be fair, Chris Paul was playing like absolute garbage. I think averaging around 11 points for the last nine games of the regular season, not something you expect from a superstar like Chris Paul, but when it came time where the games really counted, unbelievable play. And unfortunately for him, uh, his uh, main go-to guy, David West, uh, was hurt and and was a non-factor in this series. Or it might have been a a little bit tighter and they might have gone all seven seven games. Uh, The Lakers definitely weren't playing too great to begin with. Uh, Yeah, they they did end up winning the series, but it wasn't anything flashy like you've seen in the past with the Lakers. And... and Maybe it's a show of a, of a different team than, than what they did last year. And maybe if they run into an Oklahoma in, in the Western Conference Finals, that they might have some trouble with, with athleticism, with a Russell Westbrook being able to, to push the game or, or Durant. But hey, they're through. I'm excited. I, I, I think other people should be excited about the uh, round two matchup of Boston and Miami. Boston and Miami, the Wiley Vets versus the... Uh... Uh, potential Kings, you know, it's 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 the matchup that I think everybody kind of saw happening from the minute the teams came together in the off season, and uh, that should definitely be an interesting one to see. Um, I really felt like Boston uh, had a, had, I mean, they, they didn't get attested at all by the Knicks in the first round. This isn't this isn't a team that shies away from playoff matchups, and, and you know, they showed last year that they don't have to be a good regular season team to just be absolutely dominant in the postseason so I don't expect that we'll see anything different from the Celtics this this time around but uh, uh, the Knicks definitely didn't put them in through any tests through any ringers and maybe that's good because they come in with this come into this matchup the the big matchup of the postseason so far with uh, a little bit of energy and and uh, uh, it should be it should be a good series to watch. Yeah, no, matchup matchup wise, and we're, we're probably going to talk about this next week as well. Uh, you have the big three, whether it be on either sides, they're going to be matching up. It's going to be Garnett versus Bosch. It's going to be Pierce versus LeBron, and it's going to be Wade versus Allen. I think a lot of those are washes, or if they are an advantage to one or the other team, it's not that much of an advantage. It's going to come down to Rajon Rondo 
and if any of the heat can stop him and then interior wise what what these teams are going to get out of their center position what Nenad Kristic Shaq Joel Anthony and Juwan Howard and Zadrunas Elgaskis what what those guys are going to do to to help be the deciding factor factor because those those two spots are going to be who who wins the series absolutely Absolutely. I think I think the Atlanta Boston series or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Chicago series, uh, probably a little bit of a snoozer there. But uh, um, yeah, we should see some good stuff in the second round. Um, You know, speaking of playoffs, there's been some talk this week over in the major leagues about uh, Bud Selig and the uh, major league owners potentially pushing through uh, an expanded playoff system. Have you seen anything about this, Bob? Yeah, uh, I definitely saw this. Uh, them extending out from their typical eight, I think it was to twelve, wasn't it? Adding two more uh, wild card games for each division, I believe it was, or it was them bumping out to ten and adding an extra wild card. Uh, I, I forget exactly. Ten was, what I, what ten I saw was the number there. that I heard, and I mean okay. to be honest with you, I, I'm a little confused as to how that works. Yeah, I I, I don't get it either. Uh, you're, you're doing five and five. So this, the, I guess the smart thing would be the, the wild cards play off against each other. I, I, I don't get that too much. I understand them wanting to expand. I think 12 would make more sense, but still at that, that's still kind of pushing it. The system that they have set up right now works. It works really well. You don't need to, to extend it out. They they did say that if they were going to extend it out, it would be a three or a five game series, not a seven game series like everything else. So at least they're not completely ridiculous and, and th- go that route where it's you know pushing games into no- late November, early December. Well, we're already in but November. I mean, yeah, well, late November, early December. Well, I guess I guess the point is is does anybody want to see baseball players out there wearing sweatshirts because it's freaking the end of November in New York City? I mean, does anybody really want to see that? I mean, does it, the the thing that I've seen is is one of the one of the things, and and I, I am not a baseball purist by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I will push till the end of time for um, in, increased replays in baseball and pitch timers. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of adjustments that can be made to make the big game of baseball a lot more exciting and a lot more fan friendly uh, for the viewers at home, but. Um, in in this regard, I have a lot of respect for the baseball system because they don't let any teams into the postseason who they never let a team into the postseason who didn't deserve to be there. And I think that that's one of the good things about this system because the playoffs there's no there's no first round matchups between the Bulls and the Pacers in Major League Baseball. Sure, there's series that don't turn out to be that good, but there's never a series that you looked at at the beginning and said this isn't going to be good. Yeah, I I think the only way that you could possibly change it, and, and this wouldn't even be from a, a expanding it. We talked about this last year, especially with the Giants, who ended up winning, uh, <laughs> about how some some teams might not deserve it with a l- losing record or close to losing record. I, I think that might be the only thing that you can possibly look at to change is taking the four best with the records, you know, no matter what division or anything like that. But but expanding it just seems kind of frivolous at this point, making more games than than people really want or need. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting you bring up the you bring up the Giants and I think that 
uh, I think that teams like San Francisco might be uh, that might be one of the stories that's that's uh, you know driving the bus in this scenario, kind of like the. Uh, Kind of like the VCU in the Final Four, where you know just because they did well in the postseason doesn't necessarily mean that they deserve to be there in the first place. And and I think uh, I I think that that's something that we get twisted is as, as as fans is when we see a success story like those two success stories, we just want to say okay, everybody deserves a shot. And you know, as much as VCU in the Final Four is a great thing, and Butler in the Final Four is a great thing. What we ended up with after the Final Four was over was an absolutely wretchedly bad basketball game, and I, let's let's be honest, the 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 World Series last year, it, it was it was cool to see San Francisco versus Texas, but the ratings were terrible, and ultimately you want to keep the teams in the playoffs that are the teams that have worked hard to get there all year. And if there's teams that don't deserve to be in there, you don't want to put them in there because what you end up with is a bad product on the field. Whether a team, exciting team wins the final or not, that's not the point. What the point is is how good did it look getting there because ultimately you got to drive it with ratings. And teams like that don't drive the ratings. I hate to say it, but uh, they don't drive the ratings. And, and, and uh, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but... Keep baseball playoffs the way that they are. Let's not expand it out. Let's not go any further into the winter with the game of baseball. And let's just let's just kind of keep everything everything the way it is. And finally, you know, we would be remiss if we went through this whole episode and didn't talk about the little situation that we've got going on down in Columbus with Jim Tressel and the Buckeyes. The little situation? Little situation. It's a cluster thing. It is a cluster thing. It, it's absolutely, it's absolutely wretched, and, and uh, the the interesting thing about it is is that the Columbus Dispatch, you know, the the local paper is the one who's been driving the whole story, and uh, it's 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 kind of been interesting to see the hometown paper throw the hometown school under the bus in such a way. But ultimately, I understand, you know, their 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 civic duty as as reporters to report the truth, and I I don't uh, I don't blame them for doing that in any way, shape, or form, but. Uh, uh, what, obviously, you know, for those of us who aren't completely up to date, there was the whole situation with players selling memorabilia, trading memorabilia for tattoos, and you know there was NCAA violations involved. There was the situation where it came up later that Jim Tressel knew about this long before it ever came into light. That he didn't tell the people at the school, and he didn't tell the NCAA until a long time afterwards. And um, you know, just this a, a, a it, it seems like at least around here, every single day there's been a Another detail that pops up about this story as it's been ongoing that that just makes it seem a little bit worse. And the speculation at first was only dabbling in the potential possibility that Jim Tressel might be on his way out at Ohio State. And every day the new details emerge, it seems like we're moving inevitably closer and closer to a point in time where Jim Tressel is no longer the coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Is that the right move? Do you think that uh, Ohio State has to has to get rid of Tressel in order to save some face nationally? I don't think they have to. Uh, they might want to, but I don't. I don't think they have to uh, currently. Uh, just based on the information that uh, <clears throat> the NCAA has and, and what they present, presented, I think it was on Monday with uh, sort of leaking out what they did find to the public, which was new to us. Some of that stuff was new to us. Most of it, it it's what they found in, in March. It was just making it, it public. Uh, 
based on the wording of their their notifications and everything, it doesn't look like they're going after the university as much as they're going after Jim Tressel. Uh, if you actually look into it a little bit further, uh, there is a, a bylaw. I, I think it's 10.1. Uh, just throwing that out there. I, I don't know the specifics of it, but most of the other coaches that have uh, ran into this based on allegations and, and actual evidence, most of them have been fired or resigned because of it. So at this point, if the NCAA wants Jim Tressel gone, they will in, influence it to where they might extend the the punishment to the University of Ohio if they don't. You know, if if they hey, if they keep him, you know, if they keep him, it, it goes up. It's it's more punitive towards the university, which that might lead them into just firing him or having him resign. We really won't know until August when when all this comes out and shakes down to see see what happens unless he does, you know, officially resign somewhere, you know, before then or get fired before the NCAA officially rules. Yeah, and and I think the I think the big bullet that the Ohio State University was able to dodge in all of this was there was there was there's a little catchphrase that was missing from all of the NCAA reports that leaked out. And that catchphrase that was missing was lack of institutional control. The sheer omission of that charge in and of itself means that the university has a very, very good chance of avoiding any punitive postseason bans if they get rid of Coach Tressel. Everything within the allegations that's been listed have had... Ohio State as more or less the victim of the situation and Trestle and these players and of course these tattoo artists and lawyers and everyone else involved as the instigators and the problems in the situation and uh, uh, whether it's fair or not I think that a lot of the blame has to come down on the coach and the university has to weigh their options is is maintaining Jim Tressel, who has had undoubted success. I mean, he's been the most successful coach against Michigan in the entire history of Ohio State football. So, uh, you know, he's he's got a he's got a track record that says that he's a coach that you want to stick with. But at the same time, if you're Ohio State, isn't there another coach out there that you can get that allows you to maintain? continuing postseason play which is such a huge money maker for the university of ohio state yeah there's definitely names out there and uh, you have to think that both uh gordon g and gene smith it's not gene smith sounds right <clears throat> whoever the athletic the direct uh they're gonna have to sit down and weigh the options you do have an urban meyer who yeah just recently Retired from Florida, but he is an Ohio guy. He has ties here. You've seen John Gruden. I, I know he's not a, a college guy. It would be his first foray into college. But you see a lot of these guys picking up and, and going to places where former col- or pro coaches have come into the college rank. Uh, e- even beyond that, you, you hear uh, Bo Pelini's name, uh, someone like a Gary Patterson from TCU who did really well against Wisconsin in the, in the bowl season. What would he be able to do with the talent at Ohio State? There are options out there. I, I don't think that 
they wouldn't be able to get their guy, whoever that may be, whether it be a, a, a smaller school guy like Trestle was back in the day or a higher profile guy to keep the the bus moving. So they have that option if, if they do end up relieving or, or getting rid of Jim Trestle. I think if Trestle goes and Urban Meyer doesn't uh, throw his name into the pool, then I think a name that everyone's got to look closely at is Mike Stoops out in Arizona. He's, uh, you know, he played his football in the Big Ten, although it was at uh, it was at Iowa. But he's a he's a Youngstown kid. Um, you know, grew up in the shadow of the Youngstown State Penguins teams that were coached by Mr. Jim Trestle himself. So he's got he's got a little bit of history, a little bit of legacy in the state of Ohio, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, to to see him make a decision that you know maybe he's reached the top of what he can achieve at the University of Arizona. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that name tossed around if if a move is made. So keep that in mind. And I, I think even another big thing is, is they do get rid of him. They always can ride Luke Fickle into the uh, <laughs> into the uh, this year. So say Urban, Urban Meyer, I, I, you know his name's going to be thrown around like crazy if he does take a year off, <clears throat> or if that's that's who they go after, and he wants a year off to relax and, and be with his family and everything. They could do that too. I, I think Luke Fickle, since he became a coach as an assistant way back in the day, uh, that he is one of those guys who could, you know, whether it be just an interim this year or a future coach at Ohio State, if he does well going up the ladder, you, you can't forget about him either. Well, guys, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week. We covered a lot of material, but then again, we had a lot of time we had to make up for. So I uh, hope everyone enjoyed the show. Bob, why don't you roll the outro, sir? I will do such things. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646 646- 3976468 If you call the show I might just have a heart attack because I don't know if we've ever had anybody call the show. Really? Yeah, we had to have. Oh, a former host called the show. If you're someone who calls the show who's not a former host of the show, I just might have a heart attack. And I just might do it on the air for you next week. <laughs> See you later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we should have plenty of good stuff moving forward on the NBA playoffs. Um, we'll do a probably full, more full recap of the NFL draft. And, of course, there's always going to be stuff going on in Major League Baseball that we're going to have to talk about. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be coming back to you next week. No more three-week bans in our future. I heard baseball. What, what, what is this sport you speak of?